Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. So when you did that deal with Josie, did you continue to have a business relationship with Josie after that deal? No. And why not? You can ask Josie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did. did. We want to hear your. We want to hear from your side. Why we're do you cool. have a we're business fine. With Josie? We're fine now. We're fine now. But exactly. It's, uh, no, we're talking about history yeah. and facts. We're not talking about yeah, yeah. myths. And we had this conversation with Josie. Yeah. We want to hear from a player, from an agent point of view. Yeah, listen, sometimes yeah, I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you another, I'll tell you, I won't tell no, you. No, tell us I about the right. Josie. No, no, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about Freddie. I took Freddie to Benfica. How do we go from there? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Crack Podcast. What up, what up, what up, what up? This is The Crack Podcast. You're on with your host, Mauricio Mookie Wilson. And I am so excited to be joined by my co-host all the way from Belgium and Europe. We have the Mr. Gucci and Yewu. Hey, he in Luxembourg. There we go. Let him know. Let him know, baby. Let him know. And coming all the way from Fort Fort Wayne, Indiana. Almost, right? Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's give a big round of applause for the legend and the owner, Demarcus Beasley. What's goody? What's goody? What's goody? He's looking at the ownership right now. Why you say that? You know know how them owners have them old school... uh, Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to support the club. Yes, he definitely does. He definitely hey, does. catch a joke. I'm still at the office. Wow. So, there you go. It's what? What time is it? It's seven oh eight right now. I know you. I, I know you ain't talking right now. You want me to tell you what time it is over here? Yeah, I know. I, 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 I <laughs> tell him, Goose. Tell him, Goose. The sacrifices. Hey, the sacrifices. Hey, I feel it. I feel it. I appreciate it. Appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. And your I appreciate schedule. that. Look, and, and, look. Your, and your sleep schedule to join us, Gooch. I appreciate that. I appreciate you know, that. A- anything for you, gentlemen, you fine citizens. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, great to see you guys. And uh, we're going to have an awesome show. If you don't know, we have one of the, not one of the, probably the top um, sp- soccer sports agents in North America, uh, man, that many people know, but many people don't know, and that's why we bring him on, Mr. Rich Motskin. He's one Richard. of the pioneers. Richard. Richard. I call him Rich. <laughs> we got a reference. I call him Rich. I'm sorry. I never call him Richard. Um, but enough respect to his mother and father who gave him that name, but I, we call him Rich because, you know. But uh, Rich is coming on. Um, this, again, it's a gentleman who started in 1994. He'll get a chance to tell you his history, but definitely is... Um, laid a lot of foundation for the soccer, professional soccer here in North America, man. So we got a lot of history um, and there's a lot of good conversation, man. And, you know, guys, I, I want to bring on agents, business. We have owners already. We have GMs already. 
and uh, not just uh, athletes and goal scorers, but also just the people who move and shake and, um, and have a great story to tell, you know. So hoping to learn a lot today, but also just have a great conversation, you know. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests, events, with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, NFL, NBA, La Liga, EPL, NHL Hockey, Combat Sports, Esports, and even Golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50. That's B L E A V number five zero to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. But forget all that. Wayne Rooney is in DC United. Hey, mm. well, no, no, we got we got to start with Gooch. Gooch is from Maryland. He's from the DC area. So, Gooch, can you? Oh shit! Oh shit! I see his face. All- <laughs> I already, I already know what this means. I can see his face already. Right. Look, 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 look. You know I got to Go ahead. Right. Yes, of course. Go ahead. I think, obviously, Wayne is – he was a great player. Phenomenal. World class, right? And he's a young coach. He had a really strong season with Darby last season, last year, um, given everything that they dealt with, the, the docking of points and how they almost got saved. You know, he really was able to create, you know, wine from water from that season. Now, DC United. <laughs> you saw that? You saw that beast? You saw that? Yeah, I saw it. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I feel like, you know, with all due respect to Wayne, I think they're just trying to get attention to the club, right? Somewhere, um, somewhere. Not to say that not to say that he's not the right person for the job, but it's like, on what basis? You know, uh, he's had a short career. You know, in terms of coaching, like he's had only had one season of head coaching, one one and a half season of head coaching. Um, and they say he's the right man for the job. Obviously, he has history in the club and the club appreciates him. The players appreciates him. The fans appreciate him. But at the moment, I think D.C. United needs more than appreciation. They need mm-hmm. a lifeline. You know, mm-hmm. they've been underperforming for years, years, years. And they really need a revamp. And I don't think it's just a coach. To be honest, I mean, I think they need to honestly take a look at the whole organization and see what they need to restructure within that to kind of resurrect it, because it's too big of a dynasty franchise for it to go down like it's doing in these recent times. So that's my so, wait, wait, before Mook, I know you want to start. But so, Gooch, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Right. Just, yeah. just really quick. So obviously back in 96, when they started all the way up till probably, a, you know, 2002, 2003, you know, there was a force we reckoned with. D.C. United was that club. Everyone Correct. wanted them and them and L.A. Galaxy. Those are the two clubs that, you know, I, I know Chicago won in the, in, you know, in the midst of that. And then obviously we kind of created a little bit of a, um, um, you know, a winning culture in the fire. But the history of the league was kind of, you know, I, I don't want to say founded, but it was D.C. United and L.A. Galaxy. Those are the Correct. two clubs that were the, you know, the main clubs that everybody want to go to. So my question to you is from being from D.C., growing up in that in that in that era, um, what changed? You know, what I'm saying well, what changed from the Echeveries and the Morenos and all these guys that that put D.C. on the map, the Pope. I mean, we go to American players, Eddie Pope, 
uh, you know, Jeff Andrews. We can we can just sit here on and on and on and on. Yeah, Yeah. on and on. So really, really real talk. My question to you is, Gooch, what changed in the last 15 years from that being a team that everyone was scared about? Was, was worried about playing a to franchise. now where it's like, yeah, real franchise to now where it's like, uh, we got DC United. Uh, three points. <laughs> fluff, fluff. You know what I'm saying? Like real, real talk though. I'm being honest. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, shoot. Uh, I mean a lot ownership, culture, players. I mean, we're talking about veterans that were on DC, you know, Eddie Pope, Tony Sana, John Harks, Echeverry, Jaime Moreno. Like these were legends. These are people in the hall of fame. In, in MLS Hall of Fame, you know, and not, not to put any disrespect to the squad now, but it's 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 not of the same caliber, right? Like you saying, Goose, it's definitely the front office, right? Because you, it looks like DC United hasn't progressed and while the MLS was progressing, right? When we had smaller number of teams, uh, they were a big market. Now it seems like they just have it. But is it that ambition? Because I want to stay on the topic of Rain Rooney because – the feedback I see from the fans have been positive. They're excited. They think that he was there as a player. He knows the culture. They think that he's young enough to motivate the players. And they feel since he was a phenomenal player, he didn't do well at, at Derby, Derby, but he, he had a tough situation there, right? We all know he that. Did, he, actually, he, he actually did he actually, do well. Yeah, but I said he did well. He did well, meaning well. he, kept, he, he yeah. kept the team in the in, – in, in the, Well, I mean, he, he was fighting yeah, against major currents. Exactly. <laughs> Right, they had, and, and they had a, what a fifteen point deficit. You know what I'm saying because of the um, because of their because of their front office. So, so you know to be saying? fair, would you rather see an older coach who yes has the resume, but you know this can be the end towards of his career come over here? No, no. For, for, for me, for, for me, it's not even about the age of the coach. It's about like experience. the experience, the experience that he has, what he can bring. DC United needs some kind of. Um, longevity like obviously they had ben olsen he was there for a number of years too long and people can people can argue it was too long because they really never competed consistently throughout his tenure right i think they need uh like an arson banger who really like constructed arsenal or an alex ferguson that created the, the the culture at man united up until recently um i think they need not to say in terms of that age, but a, a coach of that influence that's going to stick around for the long run. Do you see Wayne Rooney staying here and wanting to be a tenured coach at Man uh, at DC United? No, right? You know, no I, I don't. If he if he, if he if he if he does well, say he does well, he gets say he gets DC in the playoffs. You know, and maybe he gets further, getting you know, obviously semifinals of the what's it called, like the 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 conference final, semifinal. I don't even know what it's called now. The semifinals of the conference or something like that. Um, he's gonna go back to Europe. Simple as that. Am I wrong or right? If he does well okay. here, he has a, he has a good he has a he has a good three you know four year. He's gonna go back. He's, to Europe. I don't he's think he even needs to do well here. I think he just needs the one or two season, three seasons to go back to go back to Europe. Yes, you think to go so? Back to Europe. Yes, yes. Did he ever do well, well think, here to go back to the, Europe? The, yeah. the, the thing is, I don't think he actually needed Did, to leave Europe. No, listen honest. though. Did Vieira do well to go back to Europe? Was he doing think, exceptionally well? Did he win anything? I think I, he didn't win anything. Who was the Atlanta his, coach who went to go coach Netherlands? De Boer, right? No, nah, but that's a big he, name. He came. He came, he came from. A, yeah, but that's a, that's a name. Yo, he was coaching the Dutch national team, and uh, that's yeah. a big name. Same with Rooney. You know, his name will carry weight. You know, and I think that's a little bit what Goose touched on was that it's it's about the experience. You know, what I'm saying it's not about. 
it's not about um, him doing well for for Darby for you know five six seasons. He kept him up. He maybe he went up to the to the Premier League, but then maybe he dropped down. But still, he was competing at a very high level in the championship. That doesn't happen. Yes, did he kind of overcome? Not kind of. Sorry, did he overcome that fifteen that fifteen point deficit to? Give his team, give his club a chance to stay in the championship, one hundred percent. Just like Goose said, he did well while he was there. But is that enough? Is that enough to come to a DC United team that's you know it's struggling? They're still trying to find their, I won't say identity because I think they know their identity, but I think they're trying to find it again. You think he's the coach to to you know to to right that wrong? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, interesting man because. Um, you know, DC United, you know, they need they need a life support, right? And what troubles me, they they paying Wayne Rooney Wayne Rooney a million dollars a year salary. And I can just think of what coaches, you know, other options like Gooch said, who has the resume that we they could have gotten. But I definitely see a reaction for the fans. They definitely need to fill in the seats and like Gooch said, this was a play for that. You know, they Yeah, but I, yeah, but to be honest, man, I I, I don't I disagree with that because for me, it's not about money. Um, yes, is he making a big salary? 100%. But, you know, this is – we Gucci and I can say that. If we were playing this day and age, would we, would we be making 2 to $3 million? Probably. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? I mean, I, I want someone to argue that with me. Please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it, 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 comes, it, comes with the, it comes with the times. Like, you know, Landon Donovan. You know, you got one of the arguably one of the, the best national team players that ever played the game. Same with Clint. You know what I'm saying? They were making peanuts to what these guys are making now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I'm it's saying? An so evolu- evolution sport. Exactly. Evolution so, sport. I, yeah. So, for me, the the money part, the financial part of what they're trying to do with DC United with, with Brand Rooney doesn't it, it, it doesn't bother me. You know, I, that that part, him making a million dollars, isn't 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 a story for me. Gooch, you're from the community. If what would take for for the community to respect DC United again, right? What would it take for people to come out to these seats, wear the jerseys, and be excited again? A lot, man. I mean, they they just they really need to turn around everything. I I really believe that in recent years they've had a lot of opportunity to have the fans behind them, and it seems like they went the wrong way every chance they got. You know. Um, Everybody was gun home when they finally got a stadium, right? And then you finally get the stadium, and then they really isolated a huge fan base from that stadium from entering in. There's no tailgating. There's no – you can't congregate before the game. It's literally wow. come wow. in and get out. Wow. Yeah, they they said that? Wow. No, no, that's how no, it's structured. There's no space for it. There's no, there's oh, no wow. land for a tail. Like, you you walk into the game, you watch the game, and you leave. Um, and, you know, RFK, it's, obviously, it's an old – old uh, stadium but like part of that stadium was the atmosphere the outside people outside hours behind before the games tailgating enjoying the the kind of uh build up to, the, to whatever event there's none of that um i think that uh a lot of the current organization sacrificed a lot of glitz for uh their identity mm. um which which like we said was lost it, it, they need to bring it back in some way shape or form um fortunate for them like you like we said they have a new stadium they're building a new complex uh so they have the means to invest to do well and now it's just gonna you know be seeing how 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 they actually capitalize on that well, well listen guys we get 
every week to share our point of view coming as fans and former players. But now this week we have a treat. We have somebody who's helped build the MLS and also I'd love to hear his opinion on Wayne Rooney coming over. I want to introduce Mr. <laughs> Super Agent, the pioneer of MLS and U.S. soccer. Brought to you players like Alexi Lalas, Freddie Adu, Zach Stefan, the great Landon Donovan, Demarcus Beasley. We can go on and on and on. When you say sports agents in North America, you have to you have to say and respect Mr. Rich Motskin. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. But uh, I, even though I couldn't get on here right away, uh, you know, don't 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 take my text, my lack of tech savvy for still not being with it. All right? Ah, you can see that. You can see <laughs> with that haircut. You still got a cool style. You're way okay. cooler than Demarcus Beasley. Don't worry about it. Hey, I still got my hair, right? So that's pretty hey. good. Wow. <laughs> wow. Hey, Mookie. Hey, no, you know what? I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go. Ah, uh, hey, I was just saying that generally. That wasn't that wasn't directed at anybody. But no, oh, honestly, thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed uh, I've enjoyed the show, and so now I'm getting to be in the hot seat here for a little bit. So this will be fun. Not the so hot seat, good. man. We're just so happy to have you on. I think you're the first, um, obviously, sports agent we brought on, but uh, as well as executive. So, you know, um, this is it wouldn't be right bringing anybody on before bringing you on, Rich. You know what I mean? Oh, um, I for the people that, who don't, for, for people who don't know, can you tell them uh, your title and your company? Sure. So my title is, which I don't really care much about titles, but I'm the uh, EVP and managing executive here at Wasserman. I help run the global football, as we call it in Europe, but global soccer group, uh, as we call it here. I've been doing this for uh, quite a long time, not years, but decades. But it's been it's been a fun (laughs) ride and it's been amazing to see how the sport has grown domestically, internationally, men, women. You know, now we got a lot of not only great young active players, but we've got a lot of retired guys who can do things like what you guys are doing, our coaching, you know, being running clubs, uh, you know, broadcasting. So it's great. I mean, how the sport's growing has been great. And, you know, the funny thing is we all play a small part of it, right? We're all part of this ecosystem. And I think so many people have such a warped and negative perception of agents uh, in the sense of, you know, agents are always the problem. And listen, Gooch, that's fine. We can talk about it. We can be fair. And listen, you know, uh, there's been points and times too where Bees and I work together. But I think that like anything in life, right, in any industry, right, you're going to have good actors and good apples and you're going to have bad ones. And I think, you know, it's so easy where people want to always pin like, oh, all the problems and all the stereotypes of agents, which, you know, at the end of the day, I think there are actually more good ones and bad ones. And I think at the end of the day, like, you know, yeah, you're going to have bad people who work for clubs, bad people who work at all sorts of different points. But at the end of the day, we all are part of this ecosystem helping to grow and build the sport. So, yeah. And you know what? I'll add on that because you may, you bring up a good point, Rich, because and I always say this whenever I speak to, you know, to different clubs or, you know, youth clubs or anybody that's, you know, kind of in that that ecosystem that you talk about. Uh, Rich, is that our, our my goal? Well, I speak for myself. My goal is to do my part where I'm at, right? So if that's in Indiana, if that's in Houston, I want to fucking win a World Cup one day. Yeah. So every little piece that I can do, if it's Fort Wayne, if I have a USL two team, we're going to go to USL one or somewhere else. Like I want to do my part the right way to help any player or any any executive or any staff member that I have in my club. To, to, to achieve that, 
You know what I'm saying? And I think that, yeah. and I understand what Rich is talking about when he's talking about the ecosystem. Like, our for the whole country, the soccer world, us as as you know, you know, soccer people. You know, we want in our lifetime to win a World Cup, so we we have to be able to, um, uh, you know, take not so much criticism, but take positive energy into what we're trying to build and not just be negative and not say, okay, it's just about me. It's about me. It's about me. You know what I'm saying? I 100% agree with with you with that. 100%. And honestly, I think you just said it best too, because I always talk about it. And look, I mean, every agent's different. Every person's different, all the other thing. And, and by the way, you know, I heard your earlier discussion, everything evolves over time. Right. But one of the things that's always been clear for me, and obviously I try to impart that with everybody who works for me, it's simple. We're working in the best interest of our clients. Right. And so, doesn't mean it's always easy. doesn't mean it always goes the way you want. But as long as that's your focus, which is the best interest of your client and not your own self-interest, in the end, it's all going to end up being good for everybody. And so, um, and yeah, listen, there's a lot of self-interested people who end up giving different folks a bad name for this or that. But, you know, it's, uh, you know, as you said, but we're all, we're all, we're all in this place now where, you know, sometimes you look at, oh my God, look at the, what these guys are making. You guys were talking about what Rooney makes and all that. And I don't begrudge anybody making whatever they make, right? Because at the end of the day, listen, I hope I hope if somebody's really overpaid, it's one of my guys, it's great. But at the end of the day, it's still good for everybody as this thing grows. Go ahead, Gooch, you gotta no, say my, your piece. No, my, I appreciate it, thank you. Uh, <laughs> now, in regards to you saying, um, you know, uh, agents, work in the best interest of their clients. Have you ever, in the decades that you've been working, been put in a compromising situation where you're like, you know what, I might have to work in my best interest and maybe it might help my my, my player a little bit, but you know, everybody's gonna work out at the end. No, I mean, listen, you're often put in situations that are, uh, you know, that, you know, listen, that people sort of have operated in a way, whether it's in Europe or South America or whatever, where, yeah, you could operate in your self-interest. But at the end of the day, you got to ask, what's your core? What's your character? What are you going to want to do in a situation? And without getting into names and stories, pretty early on in my career, when I started out. I, oh, we're going to get into it. Well, no, this is, this is the crack. No, no, we get I wanna, into names I answer, and I stories. I want to answer your question specifically. Pretty early on in my career, and I've shared this story before. You know, I was in a situation where I was negotiating a deal with a European club for one of my players and we were a hundred grand apart and the sporting director literally took out about 25 grand in cash and put it on the table. I mean, it was just me and him in the room. And he said, listen, your player is going to be happy with the deal we negotiated. This is just a side present for you. And I looked at the guy right away and said, hey, this is great. Now we're only sending five grand apart. Right. And we ended, and I ended up getting the deal done. And at the end of the day, yeah, listen, everyone's got to decide. Are you just taking that money and selling your client out? Or are you just going to stand for what you believe in? All right. So and then how the other often thing does I'd that say, happen, Rich? I mean, something that blatant, not often, but there are certainly times over the course of my career, too, where there have been situations where there were things that were being done, maybe other people being brought into deal or this or that. But again, as long as it didn't have a negative effect on my client and as long as getting that done and i was operating in the best interest of the client and oh by the way with full disclosure um then you know then that's not my issue right my issue is just being completely open and transparent with the client and then figuring out what's in that client's best interest in that given time and listen i'm not naive to think that uh 
that, you know, it's always easy and crystal clear and all the other stuff, but I can sleep at night easily, you know, in terms of knowing how I operate and how I function. Um, and then the other thing, as I said easier, earlier, I think, again, like bad actors will always give people a bad rep, but, you know, um, and like, for example, I'll give you one last example on this, right? FIFA is coming down and they want to propose all these regulations about, um, about, you know, restricting agent fees on deals because agents are making too much money and this and that. Um, and I was at one of the very first meetings because I got invited to the meeting. And I, and I said, before, as they were going through this, I said to these guys, I said, what is your goal, right? What is it that you're trying to accomplish? We want to give more money back into the system, right? Support all the clubs. I said, that's great. I'll be the first one to sign up. Why doesn't everybody pitch in? I'll raise my hand right now and say, every deal that's done, I'll give 1% back into the system as long as the clubs do, the players do, the leagues do, everybody, we'll all do. And of course, everyone's like, oh, no, no, no. Like, and that's just, an, again, symptomatic of it's always the agents. It's always the agents. And so, you know, look. It's, and of it's a thin I'm line, right? Because agents are there for bird. business and business only, right? You're a business partner of the athlete. You know, I want to yeah. get into Leeds United real quick, right? Because we talked about backhand and a lot of times clubs are, are built off of more than just football. And Leeds United, everybody knows, is owned by uh, the owners for the San Francisco 49ers. They have an American coach. I'm sure, he, is he your client, Jesse Marsh? Jesse's not my client. Okay. But I got, and, then, and then they have Chris I Richards. I what he's done and what he's accomplished, for sure. Definitely. But you have Chris Richards, who I heard is looking, that they're looking at him. They already signed Tyler Adams and um, our boy Sergeant. Not, not Sergeant, our boy uh, Aronson. Aronson. That's quite... That's quite odd, right? That's, that a Premier League club who almost got relegated will take up three American players. It's an well, American two. owner. You can't say three, two. Okay, two. Yeah, they have two right now. Yeah, and have American right coach in the Premier sure. League, which is so competitive, number one league. In the, in, do you think they're thinking more off the field and the branding more than on the field? I mean, again, it depends who you're asking. Are you asking about the owner's perspective, the coach's perspective? I can what? promise you Jesse Marsh or any manager no, the is going to sign the players that he thinks is going to help him win and stay in the Premier League, right? That, that's what Jesse's going to care about. That Any manager is going to want the best players possible that's going to help him to succeed, period. You know, listen, do I think that having American owners in Europe now across England and Italy and other places, you know, may create more opportunities for American players. Sure. But I think that's a great thing. I've always said, I think that there are so many players, American players slash MLS players, um, who if given the opportunity at the right time in the right place, um, would have been really successful. Right. And it's always been really, really hard for a lot of players, you know, particularly in England with their work permit rules to get players in those situations. Right. And, you know, we've all been around a long time and sort of it's nice to see now more and more people going overseas. And listen, the players who go over got to succeed, right? That builds the credibility. Um, and so, but at the end of the day, I think, yeah, is there a little bit of, a little bit from an ownership perspective? Probably a little, but from a manager perspective, he's going to want to get the Do you think these owners really care about making profit with their football clubs? Because they such, they're a billion trillionaire owners. They have American football, baseball, hockey. And soccer is kind of just something that's in the mix. Do you feel that American owners, obviously, is going to benefit in network-wise, but do you think that because the game is changing, right? And the owners of the past have passion and love for the community. 
had passion and love for the city, f- for the badge. Now you have foreign owners. Do you feel that? Um, Wait, but but Loki, before you, but Rich, before you even actually answer this question, I got I, so I'm 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 t- coming from an owner's perspective, right? Not saying because I'm an owner of a you know Division Four team, but just saying like in Europe, it's a different it's a different animal because I'm just thinking if. The guy from the the owner from Leeds is you know he signed these players, American players, whatever. He, he let Rafinha go and you know uh, Calvin Phillips. Phillips to Man City. You know, I one hundred percent think that he is not trying to get relegated because that's a, a that is a you know that's a that's a a, a, minus, a lot of money a loss on it. yeah exactly. So finance. Yeah, exactly. So before you even ask a question to to Rich and his point of view and his perspective and what he thinks about that. Like I'm just thinking, like from an owner's perspective, yes, he 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 trusts his coach. That's a good thing for Jesse. He you know he feels back. He feels like okay, I want this player, this player. My owner says, yeah, look, you know what? I trust you. We, we but we got to make this work. I guarantee he's not trying to lose half of his investment because he will if he goes out to the championship. More than that. Nobody plays to lose at the end of the That's day. That's what I'm saying. You know, so but, I'm just saying, I'm just going for Mookie's question. Yeah. I'm just like, no, no owner is going to think that. You know, just, oh, I'm thinking business and, you know, commercial and the media and, and all this stuff. But my soccer team or my foot, whatever you want to call it, football team is being relegated. So I just lost more than half of my investment I just put into it. No. I don't think that. I don't. I don't agree with that. And by the way, I'm not even just talking about American players. I also too. I think like for MLS players, right? Leeds has got a guy, Jack Harrison. People don't talk about it. Jack Harrison was developed in MLS, and you know, ended up getting college. You know, even got a look at the U.S. national team. I mean, the English national team over there, and he was an important player. He scored the goal that helped him stay up, and he's been pretty good over there at Leeds, right? And again, I think like when you think about players who've played in MLS over the years if they had been given the opportunity at the right place at the right time, I don't know why it just popped in my head. Like a guy like Ozzy Alonzo when he was in Seattle, I mean, really good player, not my client. So, you know, I'm not biased in that. Or even, you know, recent guys who are playing in this league and doing really well. There's a lot of talented guys that, you know, I've got no doubt in the right place over there, they could succeed. And hopefully we see more of that, right? It's good for the ecosystem. So, uh, so staying on owners, staying on MLS, what the hell is going on with DC United? <laughs> I thought we were talking about that. What the hell is going no, on with DC listen, United? I heard you guys talk about that before before I came on and you know it's for Gish, that's like it's hometown, right? So no, I mean look, I think put aside DC United for perspective. I think in a lot of sports, right? I think continuity, consistency, having a plan, having a vision, like all those things matter, right? And I think when you look at you know, some of the more successful teams across sports, right? You know, a lot of these teams have had, whether it's, you know, the, at the coaching level or a core group of players. Um, and, and, you know, and that I think you need that structure. I also think you can need guys in the locker room who are winners and who've won something. And again, this is not, this is just, these are just general comments, but I think that, um, you know, when you have, con- you know, when teams have constant upheaval and they're, you know, maybe they don't have a, you know, a clear identity or whatever. I think it, it, it's hard to sort of, you know, you look at teams like the Warriors who've had a core group in basketball for the, over the years and they've been able to stick to that and win. And so I think, and then the last thing, and I've said this over and over and over again, especially with the advent of free agency in MLS, having guys who know this league, understand this league and are high performing, you know, players in this league 
is hugely critical, is very important, right? You look at, I'm picking an example, right? A team like Austin FC. You got guys right, right there at the top of the table in the West, and, you know, they took their lumps last year, but they stuck with their plan, and then they put in free agents like Ethan Finley or Diego Fagundes. And, like, getting core free agents, you know, uh, a Houston with Steve Clark bringing in some leadership there, I think he's helped them in, in, in a lot of ways, and BG would know. But I think there's a lot of these guys, and more, as more and more become free agents, like, to me, they're grossly undervalued, and having that those guys are huge. So, you know, going back to D.C., listen, I think they're going to lose every game 7 nothing. No. Um, do I think that, you know, that it's, uh, you know, it, you know, I think it's looking up. Do you think it's looking on the up and up? He doesn't. He doesn't. I can tell. I can tell. <laughs> Listen, I think, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, they got some work to do. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> so what do you guys think? Well, we, we spoke about that, but, but Rich, you are a person who had some phenomenal clients in your past, right? You had Alexi Lalas, you had Landon Donovan. I want to talk a little bit about you know, when you had Demarcus Beasley. How was that oh, from what? your point of view? When, when did which, you start which, working which, with Demarcus, DeMarcus Beasley? Which Demarcus was, Beasley is? Bees has been with me for like I mean, oh, in and out, in and out. Let's so, talk about it, Gooch. Let's talk about okay, it. What I'll, say, what I'll say about Bees, among other things, though, um, you talk about like, you know, where this league was and where the soccer was, you know, and, you know, back in the late nineties versus it is now, you know, I give a lot of credit, right? You look at the start with Alexi Lawless, who's, you know, one of the first players signed in this league. And honestly, and I'll say this, if Alexi wasn't my first client, I probably wouldn't be doing what I did. Right. I was a, you know, a young lawyer as a big law firm. And I sort of saw this guy who had a passion to build something in a sport in this country. And at the time, you know, he was playing in Syria, led the, you know, opened that door for Gooch. Um, and, uh, you know, his first American to do that and was playing at the highest level. And he sort of gave all that up to say, listen, you know, I want to come and help start, a, you know, if I can help start soccer in this country and a pro league in this country, and that's part of my legacy, you know, that means more than me to playing in Syria and all this. And look. So he had, he had opportunities to play. He had, he had at that point when he came back to MLS, he had offers and contracts in the Syria. He had offers in Syria, Bundesliga and the premier league. And so, I mean, but he chose to come back here at a time when rich, what was the money difference? You as an agent, was he? I wasn't going to let him, I wasn't going to let him take a huge pay guy. The money difference was negligible, (laughs) right? No. Uh, you know, there probably wasn't a money difference per se, but okay. the credibility, but the credibility, right? Everyone's like champions. Like, And listen, every, trust me, I've been through it a lot with a lot of players and every player should do what they want. And that's something that I learned from Landon, honestly, which I can get to in a second. But what I was saying about Lexi is he was a trailblazer and a pioneer because he gave up a lot to do this. And people don't understand or appreciate that about him at all. You know, um, he's very polarizing, I think, to a lot of people now, but he... <laughs> He really like sort of said, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. If I can do this for my life and make that difference, that's great. Because trust me, these knows back in the day, you know, if the players were making 800 bucks a month, you can only imagine what I was making. And you can only imagine if my wife wasn't supporting me, you know, my dad was like, what are you really doing? This is nuts. You've given up a law career to do this. You know, the sport barely existed here. So, um, you know, he gets a lot of credit for sort of, uh, you know, really sort of sticking to it because there's times where i was like this is stuff you know this is five years this thing is like barely surviving like what are we doing here um and then you know so you go that was in the mid 90s and then you go to sort of 
that U17 team that Bees and Landon were the stars of. Let's talk and about honestly, that. again, that team doesn't get enough credit, right? I think it's still the team that's gone the furthest in a did you have, tournament. Did you have, La- did you have Landon from then, from his first contract? Yeah, yeah. I had Landon since he was like 15 or 16 years old, whatever it was. But yeah, Landon, uh, you know, I mean. So, so, so Bees, who did you like sign with? Who's your, who's your first agent? <laughs> my, actually, my first ever, ever, ever agent was my cousin. His name was Dana Martin. But in the world scheme of football, um, the, my next Asian soccer agent was uh, Dan Siegel. That don't belittle, don't be, don't belittle Dana now. Yeah, big up Dana. Oh, that's, right. that's my guy. Yeah, that's my Dan's guy. my partner. My Dan's guy. in DC. Yeah, Dana. Dan. Yeah, he did. He did. He did my deal. He did my deal. Uh, well, I mean, it wasn't much to do with the Project Forty contract back in you know in two ninety nine. So, yeah. um, so when you went to Dan Siegel, Rich, were you and Dan partners already, or separate? No, I don't think so. You guys were partners. They were separate. Yeah, they were separate. Yeah, yeah, we worked together then. Yeah, we, we got together about 20 years ago. So, so, Dan's so how come you didn't go? How come you didn't? Did you ever approach or make a pitch towards bees? Or you realized that De- Landon was nope. a way better player and you didn't care about nope. bees? <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> hey, I, I'm going to say, listen, part part of this is as I get older, I lose. I, I don't have as good a memory about some of this stuff now. And, and by the way, it's actually all nice because like at the end of the day, we're all. We're, we're, we've all uh, sort of grown up together in a lot of different ways. Definitely. And again, we all wish each other well and want good stuff for us. But what I was going to say about the use that U17 team and answering your other question. So my wife and I went to New Zealand with, you know, to go watch that tournament, um, you know, and Landon lived with us for a bit. So, you know, obviously sort of a de facto son at the time, but watching that team play, I mean, that was an incredibly talented and fun team that had, and Gooch too. I don't want to not give you some props as well. But that was, was a team that like I was waiting on it. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. No, so I, I told like, I told you my my mind moves a little slower now. Now I'm going back to front now in my mind. I got you got DJ and you and Nelson and Kyle and Bees and Bobby and Landon. So it's all clicking in now. So I'm remembering yeah. now. And Kenny Cutler and all these guys and Sila. But like that team was such that team had swagger. That team had so much fun and so much self belief. It was like almost shocking when you guys lost in PKs in the semifinal because it was like there's no way you weren't going to win that tournament, right? Like you guys, um, and so watching that team to this day too is still one of the most favorite teams that I've sort of watched from a youth from a U.S. perspective at any level. Um, and then uh, not to take you out of the equation as a defender, but Landon and Bees's understanding the way those two played together was phew, really something special too. So. Um, He's had more hair than though. <laughs> yeah, slightly. Throw that in there. Slightly. Uh, yeah, a light fade. But I think light also season. that team, that team also helped U.S. soccer too in a lot of ways because it was like, wow, this young group of kids, you know, basically went further than any other U.S. group. And honestly, Speak about all that, these yeah. people, all these people, right? There's all these different points and you know, sort of reflection points um, that I think helped grow the sport because I also think at that time the league was sort of, you know, like this a little bit. And you had uh, people saying, you know, we got good young talented players. I think it sort of helped sort of that, whatever they call it at the point. Now we're like MLS 5.0, but back then it was like 2.0 to get people to say, okay, let's invest a little bit more. Cause you know, can we talk about we that get- a little bit? Yeah. Can we talk about that? Yeah. The investment at that point, like when the league first started, I'm sure it was so rocky. The money wasn't there. It only had so many franchises when that, I, I'd really feel, obviously, like you said, 
they focus on that generation of bees and Landon Donovan. Tell us the conversations you had with Don Garber. I mean, obviously, it's a long time ago. What was the thought process in marketing and pushing um, that generation? That's right. I'm not even sure if Garber was there. There was a, oh, wow. another guy before him, but Garber might have come in and around that time. Mm. But um, I think the thought process was, you know, look, I mean, again, at this time, and Bees will remember some of this too, and Gucci probably as well. Um, you know, I think there was, you know, the league had contracted. There was only 10 teams left. And Phil Anschutz owned seven of them, right, or something like that. And so, you know, it was, you know, if Phil Anschutz woke up one morning and said, you know, I don't want to do this anymore, this whole thing would have been gone. Who was that? What's slowly, Phil Anschutz. Oh, Anschutz. Okay, he, yeah, he's the money. He owns, I mean, now he owns just the Galaxy, but he owned. Yeah. I mean, people don't remember this. Twenty years ago, he owned seventy percent of the league. Yeah, he owns right? Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he owned, you know, there are fewer teams he didn't own than, than he owned. But, like, honestly, if he woke up one morning and said, you know what, I don't want to lose any more money, the whole thing would have cratered. And so, again, in the history of sort of the sport, you know, like, and that's why the, and, you know, the trophy is appropriate. The MLS Cup trophy is appropriately named after him because, you know, he invested a lot of time, money. And look, people see today, right, you know, and Bees was talking about this earlier, too. People see today, oh, you know, all this money and, you know, for the franchises and this and that or whatever. But again, again, a lot of people invested a lot to get it to this point. And listen, hopefully it keeps growing and growing and it will now because fortunately we don't have just one person owning so many teams and you got a lot of people wanting to get in. But, um, you know, for those of us on this call, Gooch, Bees, me, like, you know, it was, it was really lean days back then. And I remember right around 2000, like there was a serious question whether the league was going to survive, you yep. know, and, and Phil said, okay, I'll just keep going for another X number of years. Right. So, yeah. So, so Rich, let me ask you, let me ask you a question really quick. Um, so we kind of touched a little bit on, on, uh, on Garber. So as an, as an agent and as obviously a super agent, because you've, you've been in the, in the game for, you know, decades, do you have more of a relationship with the clubs and the owners of those clubs or with Don Garber? At this point, definitely the clubs in the sense that I don't really deal with MLS much anymore. I mean, we've gotten a little bit more into a, uh, an area where I'm dealing more with the clubs, you know, again, whether it's the GM sporting directors or presidents, um, you know, because, you know, obviously everything still, quote, ultimately has to go through MLS. But, you know, the clubs really more and more are the ones who are dictating who they want to sign and at what levels and as long as it's salary compliant and all that. And again, I don't, I don't, Ken, I don't care at all about salary caps or this or that, right? I care about, you know, what's the deal look like for my player and, you know, and what are the important factors, whether it's obviously the money's important or the term or the escalators or the whatever, all this stuff, right? And that's what I care about, you know, whether or not it fits within their structure. That's not my issue. So, but yeah, yeah I don't, you know, I mean, um, so was I don't. It ever, I, was, what is, was it ever the adverse where it was more with Don in the league than, you know, Talking with the yeah, it was club. yeah because I you know back in the beginning part of the league the league really did all Man, the everything. deals right yeah. the teams had very yeah. little say in what was going on and then like you know listen there'd be like pretty contentious CBA negotiations that would go on and guys like Landon would have a pretty heavy role in that and you know and so there were definitely yeah back in the early days there was you know it was probably the reverse for sure yeah I, I so, would I'll be I'll, I'll piggyback on that because when I left for uh, PSV, the first European team I went to, um, 
you know, I was talking to Don Garber. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't talking to Phil Antrups. Like I was on the phone after training, Don Garber would call my cell phone and be like, okay, okay, what can we do to get you to stay? You know, it wasn't the Chicago fire. It wasn't, you know, but yeah, of course, Bob and, you know, those guys, they want, well, not Bob, because obviously after that was Dave Serkin, but, you know, they were like, hey, you know, we want you to stay. But the person that was trying to convince me more so than anyone was, was Don Garber. The commissioner. He was, on, he, he was, yeah, the commissioner. He was calling me and saying, hey, bees, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? You know, we want you to stay. Like, what is it going to take for you to stay? It wasn't, it wasn't the Chicago Fire. You know what I'm saying? I love, like, Peter Wilt. He was a, you know, he's my mentor to this day, my guy. I, I love Peter Wilt to this day. But he, I wasn't talking to Peter Wilt. I was talking to Don Garber. I still remember those phone calls I had with with, uh, with Mr. Garber. So that's, so that's interesting. He's right. That's interesting. Right. By the way, no, he, by, the right. way different, by for example, right, recent transfers that we've done from players who've gone from, you know, MLS overseas, you know, George Bello to Bielefeld, and, you know, we've obviously done McKenzie and Aaron and all that. Like, we know. We're not – it's all with the teams now, right? You know, and ultimately, you know, I, I prefer it that way and let them have whatever internal discussions they need to deal with the league, you know? So, so, so what we like to do is get a lot of insight on certain deals that you were involved in. I think one of the main ones you have to speak about is Landon, um, him going over to Germany and, and then coming back to the MLS. Um, can you walk us through and was Don Garver a part of that and trying to get him back or was that strictly Landon? Give us a little insight on why was that decision that he made? Because everybody talks about that. Yeah, no, listen, um, and I sort of alluded to it earlier about, you know, you learn things from different people. And one of the things uh, that I learned from Landon is that and ultimately he chose and prioritized happiness in his life. Right. Mm -hmm. And for him, being happy meant being home, close to home and playing in front of family and friends. And look, everyone's going to make whatever decision is best for them. Um, I want to do what I would do if I'm not pretty competitive. Right. And I, I think, you know, I grew up the fifth of six kids, so you got to be pretty competitive just to sort of get a voice heard. Right. And, you know, for me, and I think everyone, you know, my, you know, if I was, you know, fortunate enough to be a professional athlete, you know, I think, you know, my, the way I'm wired would be to say, listen, I want to try to, you know, challenge myself at the highest level in this and that. And so I think a lot of people think that way. And I think that's appropriate way for one, you know, in a lot of ways, right? If you want to be successful, but the flip side is, you know, there's a lot of different ways to define success and there's a lot of different factors that I think everyone should balance. And so that was, you know, for him, what happened, like a lot of young players who are super talented, right? He signed over in Germany and he was a kid who was used to playing every minute of every game and scoring goals and being the star. And he walked over to a Leverkusen team that, you know, had been in a Champions League final and had players like, you know, Zay Berberto and Lucio and Ulf Kirsten and Bernd Schneider, German national team players, Brazilian players, uh, and he wasn't playing, right? And, and um, so that gets frustrating. And oh, by the way, he went to a country where he didn't speak the language and he went from sunny Southern California to, you know, uh, you know, to Leverkusen where it's also raining a lot and dark. And so, you know, under as a kid who had just turned 18, right? So I think that, the first time, you know, because he actually came back twice. The first yeah. time after a couple of years there, um, you know, we brought him back on loan. Uh, ended up San Jose happened to be the worst team in the league at the time. He went there. It was pretty What's magical. Right now? What? <laughs> like now, right now? 
he's, he's I, thought said said, much, I thought you said DC was the worst pitch. Right now, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a coin toss. It's a coin toss, Rich. That's fair. That's fair. So he came back. He did two years here. You know, went to the O2 World Cup. Uh, we were able, I think, to extend it at that time another two years or something like that. Again, part of this, my memory might fail me. But what happened when we brought him back for the full time, you know, he had gone back. And again, at that point, he'd actually had a good World Cup, you know, um, and felt like he deserved playing time, but he still wasn't getting playing time and ultimately said, you know what, like, you know, I'd rather be home. And yeah, we worked it out so that uh, he came back and, you know, so he played, ended up playing four years in San Jose on two different loans. But then when he came back permanently, yeah, there are a lot of conversations going back to your question about Garber because people also don't realize that he was the most expensive transfer ever for the league at that time. I think they ended up having to pay like three and a half or $4 million to buy him or something at the time. Um, and that was big money in 2004, right? You know, that, you How know, much did you get? Wasn't How much did you get out of it? Uh, <laughs> Trust me, Leverkusen, Leverkusen did okay. Uh, I know who wants to see the bank receipts from 2004. Just to uh, no, trust me. Uh, but it was, it was, uh, I actually remember it because we got it done the US net met, we were in Birmingham, Alabama for a qualifier um, against Guatemala. And like it was 24 hours, like in the hotel room leading up to that game. And the window was closing that day. And it was like, I just, it all comes coming back to me now. But it was like Crazy. back and forth. And yeah, and it was like with Garber and Mark Abbott and actually Ivan Gazidis at the time, who was the deputy uh, commissioner. Yeah, Ivan. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Ivan was Ivan was involved then. He's now obviously at uh, AC Milan, Gucci's Gucci's place. And um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean it was and like you know, all these deals that come down to the wire, right? You just get it done right at the end, and then uh, and then I think were you we were either you guys in that game? Uh, there was a game that was in Birmingham, Alabama. For some reason, I think it was a qualifier. I, I, I was. Uh, yeah, I was there. I feel like it was like a 2 nothing game or something or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I remember that game. I remember that game. So, 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 so Rich, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me ask you a question really quick. So, um, I know, obviously, we all know, and the world knows how close you and Landon are. Um, you know, like you said, you, you, he lived at your house. You know, he was, you know. He's our, pra- he our first a, practice child. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? He's basically your child. So for, put all that kind of aside and, you know, put on the the Rich Moskin fan hat for a second, just for a second, just for a second. And obviously we all know Landon Land's my guy, no problem. So would you have, would you have wanted Landon to play more in Europe, more so than MLS? For me, absolutely. For, yeah, for I don't, I don't even put my bit. Yeah, no, like because for me, right? I still think talent-wise, you know, Landon's one of the most talented players that I've ever seen, right? And I think Landon's talent, his talent, his understanding of the game, um, you know, um, and his technical ability and all that. I mean, I, I believe he could have played anywhere in the world, right? Um, and so, and I think, you know, listen, there were obviously, he, he had a pretty good first loan stint at Everton where he went there and they had a magical run when he was there. They, you know, and yeah, part of me wishes he had stayed there longer. I think they won nine of 11 games he played, right? Um, and, you know, so as a fan, you know, I would have loved to seen him play at Man U, Barcelona, Real Madrid, and all the other stuff. Cause I think 
you know, he's got the, you know, ability to do so. And by the way, by analogy, I'll give a guy, a current guy who I think is similar in that way, which is Darlington Nagby. Nagby is an unbelievably talented footballer. Yeah, I, oh, I, I talked to Darlington. We love him. I, I, I know. No, listen, yeah. His technical ability, his vision, his understanding. I, I think he could play anywhere in the world, right? I do. And, you know, but on the same hand, you know, he's one of our guys and, you know, he's really happy, you know, playing at home in front of family and friends. And by the way, he's one of my three different, he's only got to ever win MLS Cups with three different teams. And so, look, I, I, I applaud everyone. Everyone should make whatever decisions best for their life. But whether it's Landon or Nagby or anybody, you know, yeah, for me, I'd love to have seen these guys try to compete at the highest level um, because I are, think- Are you trying to say that Nagby had an opportunity to go overseas and he turned it down? Oh yeah, I can tell you that. We had conversations. I'm not gonna tell you what club because that's not my not, that's not my you know, that's not my that's yeah. not my place. I knew he I didn't want to play when, the national team when, again, but I didn't realize like, he I know, was, no, no, he no, play. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. I do know because we had a conversation about the, when I you know because obviously towards the end of my career with the national team, I was there when Nacky was there. What country was it? What country was it? I'm not gonna say I ain't oh, I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now, listen. I mean, listen, I think I know the sport. You, we all think we know the sport. I, I think I think Darlington can play anywhere in the world and be successful. Yeah. All right? Yeah. I do. You know? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Riffin, and I'll give you another example. <laughs> like, it's funny. These are popping into my head. I love. We're just riffing. But, you know, when we sent Weston McKinney to Juventus, and we kept that on the down low, and, you know, obviously done well at Chalka. There was a lot of interest from him and many different clubs around the world. And I remember when we first sent him to Juventus, not it surprised a lot of people. And then we also got all these people saying, oh, you know, that's too big of a club. He'll never play there, da, da, da. And I said, you know, and I, listen, I think Weston, in a different way, I mean, he has, he's uh, confidence. He's a player that's going to find his way in the field wherever he is. I, you know, I certain, you know, and listen, obviously in his time at Juventus, he proved that, right? His first year, he ended up playing a lot. And then even when Allegri came in, he was like, okay, <laughs> we're not sure. And by, by mid-season, he's like, he's one of my top three to five players. And, Do you think he has you know, anything to worry about with Pogba coming over now? No. Okay. As, long, as long as Weston McKinney's healthy, I don't okay. care what club he's at, he's going to find his way on the field. Agree, yeah. Because he's got that mentality. He's a warrior. He's a bulldog. He's got, he's got a, you know, a charisma and a self-confidence about him that is really engaging. And, that, you know, and he's a winner, right? And so, you know. Rich, um, Rich, we, we spoke I, I about. Got, wait, 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 Mookie, I'm, I got, I'm I got, biased. I I'm biased, that. but I believe that. Yeah, I, we've been talking about positive players, and you know, Landon his talent, Weston his talent, X Y Z. Give us a player that you wish you hadn't taken aboard and signed. That perhaps I, you know I that wasn't not taken aboard. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the best fit with you guys. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily publicly slog anyone. And just so we're clear, like, I think Landon and Weston are different in, in sense, right? I think Landon, but uh, I think they're both talented, but they bring different characteristics. But to your question, I'll answer it differently, which is, and it's now as I'm older and I'm in a different place in my life, like you realize, and I try to impart this on the folks that work with me, um, you know, it's not worth it's not representing assholes. Like, it's just not like mm. at the end of the day, you want to get people who have good characters. And look, I'm Who's the biggest asshole life, you ever work with. <laughs> There's, you know, listen, when you're younger, like, and you're starting off like anything else, right? You want to build a client base. You want to represent all the best and brightest. But look, as you get older, you realize, you know what? Like, 
no one's going to change my life. Whether I sign somebody right now, it's not going to change my life, right? You know, I am who I am. I am where I'm at. Like, you know. Um, well, 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 and I, I, I have a sincere question because you, know, you speak of people like bees and other um, people find they, they go in and out with agents. Is there anybody who sticks out to you that you lost? Maybe off of something you did, maybe off of something you didn't do that really hurt. You know what I mean? It really hits you here. You're like, man, I, I, I love this guy. I did so much for this guy. and I believed in him. And I think... Um, you know, he made a wrong decision leaving me or I made a wrong decision when I, when I was working with him that caused it. Well, well, two comments. One, anyone who left me made a wrong decision. So he's looking at you. I know, I know, I know. By the way, people who did it. leave me, I've been fortunate that in, in some instances they've come back too. And, you know, and listen, depending on how they left me, I've said, great, come on back. And in some instances I've said, no, thank you. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's part of it. Um, there have been people that have left me that I did a really, really good job. And again, fortunately, I haven't lost that many over time, but there's been a couple that I did a really, really amazing job for and, you know, you know, brought them to some pretty, you know, brought them to clubs and pretty high mm -hmm. leagues and all that. And look, I get it, right? People are young and impressionable and, you know, hear things and, you know, and look at the end of the day, um, yeah, there are probably a couple over the years. I don't. I don't know at this point. I might save it for my book when I write my book. Okay. Um, okay. Okay. You know, if you can't say the names, can you say the countries or the teams that they were at? <laughs> I'll make it too easy. For you. <laughs> um, but no. But yeah, listen. You know, because at the end, it, this is a relationship-oriented business, right? And so you care about the people that you work work with, and. Again, saying something I said earlier, in addition to not wanting to work with assholes, as you get older, you also realize you want to work with people who understand it's mutual, right? And so if the player, it's always about me, 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 that's not a relationship I'm interested in sort of being a part of, A and B, it's going to end badly. You know, you want the players to say, you know what, we're all in this together, right? If a player does well, we all do well. If they don't, we don't. But it's got to be something where it's mutual because if it's not, then I think it won't work long term. I agree. I I, I think um, I'm so interested. When we, we say when players jump across the pond, right, and how instrumental you are in taking players from the MLS and, and getting them opportunities overseas. Um, can we talk about a couple of players? Josie Altidore had, you know, quite a good run in Europe. But let's go back to when you first started working with him and doing these deals. Uh, he played for what AZ in um, in Holland. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't do, I didn't do that deal. I helped I, I helped with the deal that brought him to Villarreal. Oh yes, yes. I forgot he was a yellow boat. What happened with that? So that was, he, he was at Villarreal before he was at AZ. Yeah, no, I, I helped him with his first move over there. But then after that, I didn't. Yeah. But uh, how was that yeah, experience? But, like, I, yeah, no, I traveled over there with his dad and, you nice. know, uh, and, you know, listen, there, all these experiences are interesting. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough as I sort of think about my career, right? I've moved people to La Liga, to Syria, ah, to, you know, France, Holland, Belgium, you know, like I've, I've this, this, this job, right? I've been able to see the world. I mean, I've gone to Ecuador, I've got like brought play, like all over, right? South yeah, America, yeah, but Europe. some of these people, some of these worlds you get to see. You were strictly and business. So, and, and you and went over every, there busting your ass for every, these players. Yeah. 
And so, everyone has its story and everyone's like, you know. I just remember though, Gooch, that when he went to Villa Royale, it was like something was, I don't remember because a little while ago, it was something that was intricate about that deal. And that's what we wanted to know about because, you know, these are things that we can, we can work on and we can kind of learn from and also people watching us can learn from, you know. But, um, well, at the time, it was the biggest transfer from MLS, right? It was like yeah, 10 yeah. million bucks or something. Wow. So, you know, and, and it wasn't easy. And there was a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes because, you know, and, and by the way, one of the things you learn too in all this is timing matters, right? Mm -hmm. You want to you hit when timing's, you know, when, when, well, you know, and listen, a good example of that, not my guy, but, you know, Dallas, if you sold Pepe at literally the perfect time, right? I mean, he'd score two goals and everyone was blowing him up. And look, he's still young. He's still got a bright future and all the other stuff. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, you know when, when you have timing on your side, it's important to act and take advantage of it. So when you did that deal with Josie, did you continue to have a business relationship with Josie after that deal? No. And why not? You can ask Josie. <laughs> I mean, did. did. We want to hear your. Want to hear from your side. Why we're, we're, cool. we're, fine. With Josie we're fine now. We're fine now. But exactly. It's, uh, no, we're talking about history yeah. and facts. We're not talking about yeah, yeah. myths. And we had this conversation with Josie. Yeah. We want to hear from a player, from an agent point of view. Yeah, listen, sometimes yeah, I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you another, I'll tell you, I won't tell no, you. No, tell us about the Josie. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you about, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about Freddie. I took Freddie to Benfica. How do we go from that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, listen, Goose, what, what am I going to say? You know? I love you breaking balls, man. is... A lot of people, right? When let me put it this way: when people go to Europe, like you did, right? You got a lot of people all the time banging on you, right? I mean, especially you know, and even more so now, right, with cell phones and social media and all that. Yeah. But look, yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not naive, right? When our players go over to Europe, you know, especially back then, you know, you got every agent in that country banging on you when you're doing well. You've got every agent all around Europe banging on you. You know, they're making promises and this and that. And you know, listen, uh, you know. It's sometimes people buy into that stuff. So, so Rich, what did you, know, you learn from that deal? Rich. What was the learning? Well, listen, part of, part of what I learned from all these deals, right, as you grow and build your business, right? I got two guys, for example, in Germany now. I got, you know, I've got a much bigger network and I've got people on the ground in certain places, you know, to make sure that our guys are being serviced and taken nice. care of and looked after. No different than I'd want my own children to be looked after, right? And again, it's part of as you evolve and grow. You know, your clients are family, but you also got to figure out how to, you know, make sure that, you know, things are being handled the right way. So. So, so now, you know, Josie Altador, Landon Donovan, they're around 17 years old, 18 years old when they started working with you, going overseas. Freddie Adu, let's speak about that was, you know, that was supposed to be the face of MLS, 14 year old. You have in your pocket. You signed an MLS deal. I, I heard rumors that he had Inter Milan. He had Manchester United. What was the opportunities? And he had Benfica. What was the opportunities that he had in Europe? Um, oh, I mean, all that's true. We yeah. had, we had, you know, big clubs in England, Italy, Holland. Again, but, but there's also the practical realities of what do the rules allow, the rules allow, right? And the rules, you know, only allow you to sign when you're 18 years old, right? And so. He's, you know, I, I remember being in Finland at the U17 tournament in Finland. Yeah, in Finland, he scores a hat trick 
and I'm sitting with, you know, all these scouts all around and like, you know, every, every goal he's scoring, right. They're salivating and all this, but he's also 13 years old at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as a, you use all that as leverage, but as a practical matter, right. You know, he couldn't play anywhere else in the world for four more years. And, you know, with that leverage, what were we able to do? We were able to make him the highest paid player in the league at the time, which when you think about it now to say a 14 year old was the highest paid Crazy. player in the league, it's a bit absurd. Right. Crazy. Um, and like everything, right. You learn from all this stuff, you know, was there too much attention showered on Freddie? Yes. Did it affect, you know, ultimately did it affect him, which is understandable. He's a kid in a way that didn't help his career. Yes. And that's your um, question. The way you coddled and treated Landon Donovan, did you use the same approach and get the same effort with Freddie Adu? Well, I don't know if I call anybody. I, 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 no, well, well, I'm saying you cooking dinner, he lived but, in your uh, house. That's, no, well, that's a it's personal, different, right? But, yeah. but it's different. I mean, Freddie's living at home with his whole family and, you know, so, but look, do I try to protect all the people that I work with? Yeah. And I think that one of the things you learn from that situation though, is when people get their marketing, when people get their, you know, notoriety and their, you know, exposure, it should be because of what they do on the field, right? Performance is what should lead to everything else, right? Whether it's better contracts, more marketing, you know, more opportunities. And in Freddie's case, it was the exact opposite because, you know, listen, everyone was hungry for this next Pele. And, you know, he had national commercials running before he'd ever kicked a soccer with soccer. Pele, no less, before he'd ever kicked a soccer ball, right? And so, look, that did that help him? Not, you know, did that help him financially? Sure. Did that help his professional career? No. Um, and then ultimately, we've got, you know, as you fast forward over time, right, you know, everyone's still responsible for what they get out of life, what they get out of the soccer field, what, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, I think that Freddie had an incredible talent, right? But I think, and he'll admit this to you too, like, I think at times he didn't put the effort in to really continue to sort of rise and, you know, get to that next level. Definitely. So, Gooch, I got a question. So, obviously, we've heard a lot from Rich's perspective, um, from an agent's perspective. But as a player, I think, you know, fans would want to know and you know, people that listen, listen to our show, you know, when you when you were obviously through your whole career, when you how many ever agents you had, what was your deciding factor when you chose an agent? What were you looking for? Was it more, you know, OK, he can get me. He has the best contacts. He has the, you know, the, the best clubs that he's you know associated with. Cool. Or you needed, you know, more of a friend, more of a family type you know, environment, like for you as a player, what was, cause every player is different. As Rich always right. says, every player is different. So for you, what, what made you, you know, sign with an agent? Well, I didn't win the gold and the silver ball. So Rich wasn't looking my way. So I, <laughs> Bees, no, he's still mad about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's good to finally hear, it's, it's good to hear good speech. I've never heard him this quiet before either. So it's good to get him going. So, Obviously, my path was different from from you guys, right? Because I went to I went to college for a couple of years, and so my parents kind of forced me or made me go to college. So I went to Clemson, and then at that point, because we had such a successful U twenties, and we had a, a talented, uh, sorry, we had such a successful U seventeens, and we had a talented U twenties. You know, there was all these agents, and I honestly, for me, and this is how I do it in my life, it was just like who I felt, who I felt like 
connected with me more, right? who I didn't feel like was a weasel at that time. Um, and my first agent who I didn't stick with for more than like a hot minute is who got me actually into Europe and France. And I think I went to France and probably left him or he, he kind of disappeared soon after. And then, um, you know, I had a couple different agencies from there. And then I think like halfway through my career in 2000, 2009, after 2009, I just never used an agent again. I was just like, but you didn't answer the question though. Yeah. So when you I, had I, I did agent, it. what, what, but like, did you want an agent cause he had a connections or you needed that more kind of, I, I think it was, yeah, it was, like, it was a combination. Like, if, if your agent, if your agent is in your city and he's watching it, would you want to go to dinner with him? Would you come to the house, chill or just like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really deal. I didn't want them to be fake with me. Like, Oh, let's hang out. You know, like, cause you know, don't, keep it real. Like you, you want to work with me. I want to give you, you know, the best product. I just wanted somebody to be real. Like I didn't need all the fluff and the hoopla and, uh, my parents, my family were involved as well. So they didn't deal with any of that hoopla. And they tell me like, I don't trust this guy. You know, it's, it is what it is. And so obviously you wanted people with connections because you don't want to deal with somebody that can't put you anywhere, but you want to deal with somebody that's real. And it's not like promising you the world and like delivering like tuna fish. You know what I mean? So you wanted somebody that was like legit to their word and be like, hey, we're not going to get you to Madrid, but we can get you here and build you like this. And this is the best step for you in your progression right now. Um, so so, so that, that's what I was looking for. Tabiz, how would you answer that question? Me? I, I wanted the more, I like the friend vibe. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I love the, the ability to um, have a connection with my agent. You know what I'm saying? Like that was important to me. You know what I'm saying? So um obviously i had my cousin first and then obviously with dan siegel he was with me for like a i think maybe a couple of years before i signed with with uh paul stretford and, and lyle um when it was at proactive um when i went to europe uh but I, I i liked that part of it like i liked the you know um the kind of camaraderie and you know like if he was in a city like hey let's go to dinner before the game or after the game let's you know come to the crib let's, let's chill you know like i wanted to you know know that person you know what i'm saying it wasn't just look you get me deals and you stay in your lane and i'll stand that's, not how, that's, that's not how it was i did not say it was you i'm saying that's not how i wanted it you know oh, okay. like i said every player is different like there's players that just and i know i you know i know players that just like look you do this for me, I'll I'll kick the ball in the goal, or I'll defend, or I'll be the goalkeeper. Whatever it is, we don't need to talk. We don't need no relationship. Cool. So you know what I'm saying. So, but so, for me, I didn't. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have had that type of agent, you know, on my team. If so, that was, so bees. At what point did you sign with Rich, and what was the reason for signing with Rich? Or so I left. Uh, I, I left. <laughs> 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 keep it real now, bees. All right, all right. I keep, I, I keep it. I'll keep it. I'll be keep all it friends. Be all yeah, friends. Yeah, I, I will keep it one hundred. And Peace. you know, so when I was with Lyle, um, I was with Lyle for I don't know what 10, 11 years. It was a long, basically throughout wow. my whole career. And then obviously when I went to Mexico as well. Wow. And um, so I, I left. Y'all want to know the reason why I left? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Rich does so, too. So I left Lyle because I felt disrespected, 
And I mm. told him this. I told, you know, uh, James this as well, the guy that works with, with Lyle. I don't know if they do still do. Um, James is a great guy. Lyle, still my guy, you know, just whatever. Anyway. They made fun uh, of his hairline. So when I, when I went to Mexico, when I went to Mexico, when I went to Puebla, um, you know, Lyle was there, came over. And, you know, usually, as I'm sure Rich knows and Gucci know, you know, you get the essentials done, you know, house, car, cell phone, uh, you know, those are the essential things you really get to, you know, obviously um, for a new player in a new country. And that didn't happen at that country. Everywhere else, it happened. So when I went to Mexico, signed a deal, he left, literally left. And he put me with a guy that, that did some real estate with the with the club, helped out with Puebla. And, you know, I was supposed to sign some, you know, housing deal that didn't have any didn't have any amount of what I was going to pay like a month. It was just me signing a contract. And I'm like, wait, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. There's no amount of what I'm paying every month on 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 the sheet, on the contract. Like, yeah. what am I what am I signing? And I'm, you know, trying to call out. I'm like, yo, y'all, y'all just left me by myself to, you know, fend, you know, fend with the people. You know, and, you know, I felt disrespected. So I called, I called and I'll be real. This is a 100 percent tr- true story. This is when Lyle and, and James, they signed uh, Salcedo. And that's when he went from Fulham to um, uh, um, Tigres, Tigres. That, that deal. So they did, you know, they helped with that deal. They're in Mexico. Did they come to Puebla to sort out oh, my my stuff? You got he was sensitive. Did not come. Oh, I mean, this is what no, this yeah. is what I'm. This is what we do. This is yeah, exactly. You know, it's just look. I don't need someone to to baby me. I mean, I'm. This is like my what sixth club. You know what I'm saying? I don't need you to baby me. I can do my own. But the essentials, what you kind of help the player to you know to do and to get with, that's all I. That's all I needed. And they were not nowhere to be found. But I Rich. called it like. And they're like, wait, wait, let me. Y'all want to hear the story, right? You want to hear the story? I want to hear the story. I, I thought the story I was over. I mean, I've never, I've never, yo, this is the first time I've ever said no one ever heard this story. Obviously, obviously they know. And so when I when I said this and I told Jeff, like, yo, you guys are in Monterrey and you you left. Like y'all didn't come to Puebla. Like, you know, I'm I'm struggling to get all this stuff done, and y'all just left me by myself to defend in Mexico. I don't speak the language, you know, I have zero help. And and they're like, yeah, no, I'm, you know, we're sorry. There's that we're gonna come. I'm like, no, 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 no. And this has been like after like two or three weeks. This is mm. not like just a day or two days. This is like three weeks. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm just doing everything by myself. You know what I'm saying? Like I speak a little bit of Spanish at the time, so I can understand a little bit. Um, and, but it was difficult. And at that time, I felt like it was more. Well, I felt that, in, in as a player that I didn't, well, they didn't value me anymore. That's what I felt. I'm gonna be real. I didn't, that's what I felt. They didn't value me How old anymore. were you at the time? I was, I mean, it was 2000 and what, 11? Right after I left, right after I left um, uh, like Hanover. 30, maybe 30, 31. Yeah, 29, yeah, 29, 30, some, yeah, something 30. in that area. 29, 31, something in that area. So, you know, I still had some, some I felt good years of play. You know, obviously, I just needed a good position or a good opportunity to play because I didn't play much in Germany. And, you know, but I just felt literally I felt they gave up on me. That was that was what I felt. And so, I told them that. And then they obviously that, they, you know, did, they, they were did like, Rich, did, Rich, did Rich come sweeping in or did you go to? No, 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 no. After that, I didn't have an agent for a while. 
I didn't have an agent. Oh, okay. I, so I, so, I, so I when it. you and Rich wrote together, it was later on in your career. Yeah. So I, I so like to know from Rich. I like to know from Rich, from your point of view, how hard is it to juggle and treat all your clients, you know, with like like that situation right there, right? Like I'm looking at in your in, you know from an agent point of view, like sometimes you get spread thin. Do you feel like it's that happens? I'm sure a lot with with, with you and your company, yeah. or no? Listen, first of all, start. It's it's a hard business, but like yeah. all of it, it goes back to what I said, right? It's all about relationships and communication, and you know, in those look at and. I'm sure there's people who probably felt over the time that I haven't done things, whatever, the perfect way in the right way. And, you know, like all of us, right, we're human beings, you try the best you can. And for me, it's about trying to communicate, you know, what your needs are, what, what we're trying to, what you hope to see happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I'd like to think that, you know, listen, you know, um, if someone's got an issue, if someone's got a problem, you know, it, whether whether it's professionally or personally, you know, communicate it. We'll talk it through. We'll do the best we can. Um, and everyone's got their perspectives, and nothing's nothing's you know it's gray, right? Nothing's nothing's usually clear one way or the other. And look, um, you know, I, but I think yeah, practically speaking, uh, you know, again, the nice thing is you know I got a group of folks now that work with me that can also help out you know our clients. Um, but yeah, we're all only one. Like I'm only one person, right? You know. I'm on this Zoom now, right? So I can't be somewhere else at the same time. So, you know, you got to just sort of figure out how you're balancing your time and prioritizing your time, you know. And, uh, you know, again, I'm never going to slag anyone else, you know. I, I you know. No, nah, we're not business. about slagging people. We're not here to so, call anybody out. We're here uh, to learn and right. actually talk. The, only, the only, only person that slags people is bees. Bees don't give a damn. Yeah, what? <laughs> he'll drag your name. Hey, I, hey, I, hey! I, I, I still fuck with Lyle. Still fuck with Listen, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> relax. But it's, uh, well, I'm relaxed. But he's, if he finishes his story, I mean, part of his story will be that you know he came on, you know, much more so obviously because of Corey and uh, who's one of the agents, you know, and, and Corey's a good Corey Gibbs is somebody who's obviously had a good career and played with these guys as well. And then decided to become, and I repped him his whole career. Uh, and, and it would be great. Cause as I think about your question right now, listen, Corey and I, when he was a player, right. He, you know, he started in Germany at St. Paul in the Bundesliga, came to MLS, went to Holland, England, back to MLS. And, you know, we were together through every one of those deals and we'll both be the first to admit our relationship at times was pretty rocky, right? Because he also would have people coming to him saying this and that and this and that. But the good thing about me and Corey, we always kept it real, right? And he'd call me and say, you know, uh, I'm real frustrated whether, you know, I think I should be at this club or I should be playing more or this or that. And these guys are promising this. And the one thing I give Corey a lot of credit for is, you know, sticking with me his whole career. And, you know, ultimately, you know, he had, you know, an, you know, it was also fortunate, right? Because he ended up playing in the highest leagues, and you know, and, and uh, I think he's probably still the only American who's played. And, and listen, Rich, Corey, Corey's a dear friend of ours, but he talks so highly of you, and sometimes we get jealous that he values you so high and doesn't talk the same way about <laughs> no, me. So, but yeah. I, but what I appreciate, I appreciate that. But what I appreciate about Corey is goes to what Bees was saying. He communicated real well. I would say probably over the course of my representation of Corey there was at least a handful of times where it's like, I thought we weren't going to be working together anymore. Right. And, but you know, at the end of the day, it's like a relationship. You work through it and you know, things worked out well. And now obviously, and that was a long way of saying, you know, you know, when he became an agent, he and bees were close and you know, bees, uh, bees came back on board, whatever it was, I lose track of time. How, how do you feel about like 
we're talking about slander and brought up Corey when like former players you know put your name negatively um in the media you know uh a couple years ago um Jermaine Jones and um Eddie Johnson had a conversation I think, I think you represented both of them and they said good things and bad things right but to say publicly um how did you deal with that if you know that that came out did you ever call those guys after? no no listen i well actually i shouldn't say that i spoke to eddie i didn't speak to jermaine but um first of all like in what i do you, you gotta have thick skin in what you do and i, I look I know not everyone's going to like me and, you know, and that I'm okay with that. What I want is people to, I want respect people to respect what I do. And again, for me, it's simple. As long as I'm working in the player's best interest or my client's best interest, you know, if they don't like me because I'm a fierce advocate or if they don't like me because they think I'm pushing too hard or this or that, you know, that's okay. And then look, when it comes to sort of, you know, former clients, you know, I, I can look at and I can point and in both those cases, you know, the best deals I ever had were the deals I did for them, A. Um, and B, you know, again, I'm not going to say anything bad about anyone. You know, again, I sort of wish, um, I wish everybody well. Yeah. And I think if, you know, I think in time, anyone who has these negative feelings or whatever, there's always two sides to every story, right? At least. There's probably more. Um, but I think, you know, even in those two cases, if they step back and ask themselves, oh, what was I bitching about? Or what was I pissed about? Or why, why did I say this stuff? They actually step back and think about it. Yeah, I think that if they're honest with themselves, they'll know a bunch of that stuff is absolute BS, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and by the way, you know, I heard things like too where I think they said on that telecast too that or whatever on that podcast too that you know I was super close with Garber or this or that. It's like you know I, I met you know listen I respect Don. I think he's done a really good job in his position. I never knew Don Garber, you know, until he started working with MLS and. But ultimately, I also sort of look at all that. If people are taking shots at me, that means, you know, whatever. I, that, that means that, you know, they, they, that I'm doing a good job because, you know, they view me as competition. So it's all right. Hey, listen, man, I, we wanted you on not only to, you know, big you up, right, because you've done so much right, and played such a huge part in the, the journey of U.S. soccer, especially as, you know, as we – MLS and as well as the U.S. soccer national team, but um, you know we also wanted your insight, right? Your point of view, and for the as you know, so many people want to go into your field and want to become sports agents. Um, leave us with a little advice that you would give the person listening who has aspirations to be the next Richard Moxkin. Well, first of all, I say be better than me, right? So don't don't try to be me. Try to be better than me. So that's one. But two, you know, and first of all, thanks for the words as well. But, you know, I look at all of us, and I'll answer your question in a second, but I look at all of us as sort of OGs who've been around for a long time to, you know, and, and as I said earlier, and I'll end where I started about the ecosystem, because I respect what you all do too. And, uh, you know, and these, you know, you're doing it at the grassroots in Fort Wayne too everybody plays a role in all this and i think too many people out there are a bit full of themselves and think they play a bigger role than anybody else in this or that and i don't think that at all right i think we're all part of building something special i think we're especially as we lead into 2026 which is going to end up being amazing here and so um everybody deserves credit right even like whatever people at mls or us soccer who are behind the scenes 
who nobody ever says their names or give them credit. You know, I think about those people all the time because some of those people, whether they're the events department or in team admins or whatever, have been around for decades. You know, they, they deserve credit too. And so going to your point, I think a lot of people ask me and say, oh, I want to be an agent and this or that. And so the first thing I always say is don't be so narrowly focused, right? There's so many ways you can get involved in the sport, right? Whether it's, you know, working for teams, league, marketing partners, you know, whatever. And so as a starting point, you know, if somebody had said to me when I was a kid, you know, I'd be doing what I'm doing, I'd say, oh, yeah, for sure. I love sports, right? I played baseball and basketball growing up religiously. That's all we did. We didn't have the Internet and all this stuff. If somebody said soccer, I would have said, you're out of your mind. I didn't play it growing up, right? I fell into the opportunity in, uh, in, the, you know, in the early 90s with the World Cup here. And then obviously I fell in love with the sport and I, you know, so you also have to be flexible about, you know, don't just pigeonhole yourself. If there's an opportunity in sports, you know, be creative, think outside the box. And that's another thing we didn't talk about much here, but I think that's a lot about what my career has been defined for me is always not accepting status quo. Everyone always says, oh, this is, this is, this is a form contract or this is all you can do. You know, everybody gets the same thing. I don't give a fuck what everybody else did. I get, I care about what I'm going to do for my client and whether it was like sending Landon on loan to Everton and Byron Munich when never, nobody had ever done those short-term loans and things like that. It's about thinking outside the box and doing really special things for your clients. And the last thing I would say just about breaking into this industry, you got to work your fucking ass off. I see so many people who talk and say, you know, but the, the, the work ethic, Anyone is super successful in anything they do. And you guys know, you guys played not only international football, but for our country to do that, you got to fucking work your ass off constantly when nobody's looking, when nobody's watching. And so to me, right, look, you know, I'm still the first guy here. I'm the last guy to leave. I'm working weekends because for me, it's simple. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to, I'm going to be the best at what I do. Like the day, the day I don't like what I'm doing the day I'm not motivated to be the best at what I do, I'm done period. Right. But I think there's a lot of people who don't appreciate the work that's required to be successful at whatever you do, period. So, you know, be flexible, work your ass off and don't give up easily. There's a couple things to think. You about. heard it first. Like Listen, I like that. Thanks for having me on, boys. You guys took you guys took it easy. I mean, I know Gooch still wants names, but I'm not giving. I want that. names. I want names, phone numbers, social security. I want it all. Maybe next time. Maybe next time you guys have me on, I'll be a little. I'll be a little more tired. Not and give me support. But thanks for having me. All right, brother. Thank you again. I appreciate your time. All right. Likewise. Have a good week, Rich. Thanks, Rich. There you have it, Mr. Rich Motskin. He 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 weaseled out of us, fellas. He weaseled out of us, man. But but it was good, man. It was good. You know, Gooch is not happy, but but it was it was. You know, you we can't got, expect. We, we, we got about 65% of the beef that we wanted to get in that. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, man, it, it's, about the, it's about the knowledge. Right? And I think I'm just so happy he came on. I think he, he did get He's a, a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He, don't, he didn't want to slander anybody, you know, and as I he respect be. that. As he should I respect be. that, you know, because reputation is part of his profession as well. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, you know, he, he's not going to, he's still working. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I would have been talking shit about everybody. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> Receipts. Receipts, man. Oh, man. Hey. Well, Gooch, take us out. But what, what to say? What to say? Uh, great guest. You know, like you said, first agent. Hopefully, we're going to get more kind of guests like that to kind of keep everybody on their toes. 
We got a nice lineup of people. Hope you guys stay tuned for the next episodes. I'm going to get my ass to bed because it's after two in the morning here. These boys sitting in their luxury <laughs> luxury booths over here and the sun's still out. So until next time, what are we doing, bees? Hey, I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> like, <laughs> come on, brother. Bees, you have one oh, job. Sorry, my bad. Like, subscribe. What's the other one? God bless. Good night, man. You, you, you're definitely not the Russell Simmons of our podcast, man. Man, it's, it's eight thirty, man. I had a long day. <laughs> he old. He, he talk like that. Oh man. All right, peace. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.